0: Are entering the Freedom Hut.
1: A throwdown between Trump and Comey today in the media. We'll talk about uh, who won that bout. Also, Pruitt has bowed. I mean, Pruitt is under fire, and Ronnie Jackson has bowed out. What is going to become of these folks who want to work for the administration? Also, updates on what's going on with immigration DACA, the caravan at the border, and Cosby is guilty. That and more coming up. This, this is the Buck, Buck Sexton, Sexton Show,
0: where the mission, mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One. One, all, make, make no mistake, America, great. You're, great. You're a great America again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst, former member Hollywood. of the NYPD, Buck
2: Sexton, it is Buck Sexton, now.
0: Comey is a leaker and he's a liar. And not only on this stuff, uh, he's been leaking for years. He leaked classified information, and those memos were about me, and they're phony memos. He didn't write those memos accurately. He put a lot of phony stuff.
1: Trump taking Comey to the woodshed this morning on Fox & Friends. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Great to have you with me, as always. I happen to be there at Fox this morning, um, not to engage in my usual political analysis, or uh, national security musings, but to cook some scrambled eggs, which I'll tell you more about later. I'd like to say I did a phenomenal job. Under the time constraints, people. Under the time constraints. Not enough time to finish my eggs, but I gave some helpful tips. But Trump, he went on among the most ferocious on-air Trump rants I've ever seen going after Comey. And this is now... The center of the uh, hashtag resistance, right? Comey, who is also doing uh, Brett Baer's show tonight on Fox News, uh, Comey is the figure that so many on the left, I think, are either rallying behind or at least trying to use short term in order to uh, go after Trump. They think that this is the guy, this is the one who can uh, who can do it. And Anderson Cooper interviewed him last night. There were some very interesting exchanges there. I want to. Uh get into all that and more Um, and here's here's what i wanted to just first set the table with when we're talking about comey uh don't ever forget that the people who have been telling you for over a year now that trump is destroying institutions have now gone out of their way to politicize and pollute beyond repair our institutions of law enforcement at the federal level, I'm not talking about local cops and sheriffs, I'm talking about the federal level, the FBI and the Department of Justice, in a way that is unfathomable. For a former FBI, and this is before we get into the questions and everything else that were asked of Comey, for a former FBI director to leave office, and while he's you know basically still handing in his key cards be scheming to get even with the sitting president of the United States for reasons of his own ego and his own sancticomy is, dare I say, deplorable. It really is. And it's something that uh, we should not forget in this whole imbroglio. It's appalling. And what has been done here, I don't think this can be undone anytime soon. Brandon Clapper. Comey, McCabe, Yates, you go down this whole line, these are some of the most senior, most powerful bureaucrats, and they are bureaucrats, these aren't elected officials, in the federal government. And one after another, they have been exposed as rabid Democrat partisans. Rabid. And you can say, oh, they used to, I don't care what they used to be. I don't care what they voted uh, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. I'm talking about what they've done the last, Two or three years, the last 18 months, the last two days. Some very very uh, worthwhile, um, very worthwhile moments in the, in the Trump ran today. And I got to tell you, there was you. I was in the green room over at Fox when he called into Fox and friends when I was there. And you could have heard a pin drop. We were like, whoa, Trump is on fire. He was letting it go today. Uh They
0: have this witch hunt going on with people in the Justice Department that shouldn't be there. They have a witch hunt against the president of the United States going on. I've taken the position, and I don't have to take this position, and maybe I'll change, that I will not be involved with the Justice Department. I will wait till this is over. It's a total, uh, it's all lies, and it's a horrible thing that's going on
1: got to fight back. This is going to stretch on and on and on. The process is the punishment. Need to keep saying it because we all need to keep hearing it. The process is the punishment. That is the purpose of this investigation at this point. They've gone so far afield from Russia collusion. You know, they're seizing Cohen's records and I don't think anyone even makes a good faith argument anymore that it's about Russia collusion. It's just a get Trump operation top to bottom. You know this. Uh, but what do we do about it? That becomes the more the more difficult question. Comey is now fancying himself the leader of the anti-Trump resistance. Um, he is giving this uh, media tour where I, I will give credit where it's due. Anderson Cooper asked some some real questions uh, to Comey. You know, he he pushed. Now, I would say that there's some people at CNN who have the leeway to be the big J journalists, while the rest of the organization gets to be pro-Hillary left-wing attack dogs, right? It's important for the perception of CNN that it at least has some people who ask real questions occasionally, or or else it really is too obvious that they're just MSNBC with different initials. Let's get into some of these points about between the Cooper uh, interview with Comey and, and what was said by someone who was who's going around giving a tour on leadership and ethics, but who has problems with both. That much is quite clear. Um, Comey was asked about whether or not he was, well, let's just let Cooper's question play out.
2: It was it cowardly not to face-to-face say to the president, you're being inappropriate, or this is highly unusual.
3: I don't think so. Look, I'm somebody who tries to be pretty tough on myself. Standing in the Oval Office alone with the President of the United States after you just kicked your boss out of the room. Again, if he doesn't know that's inappropriate, what he's asking me to do, why is that happening? And so I don't, I get the feedback and I've asked myself, should I have said, Mr. President, you can't ask me to drop a criminal investigation. But really, I have to say that? And so I don't know that that's fair. And I certainly don't think it's cowardly.
1: Why didn't Comey resign? I think that's a fair question. If Trump is so grotesque, unethical, vile, such a liar, why didn't he resign? I was a little. I was a an under. I, know I wasn't some FBI director. I was a little underpaid. We all think we're underpaid in the federal government. That's that's a little secret for those of you listening at home. We're all like, oh gosh, I do the work of three private sector employees. False, <laughs> for the most part. Some some people in the federal government do. For the most part, that is not true, uh, but you know, if I had had a boss, if I had had a federal federal government boss tell me, you know, uh, or or I think was way out of line, way unethical, and wanted me to be a part of it, I would have just left, get another job. You don't have to do it, and especially at the level of someone like Comey, what what's the big risk? He's going to he's going to become a partner at some, maybe not even become. Partners at law firms at least have to do legal stuff. Comey gets to go in the lecture circuit. He show up he, uh, on the boards of companies. There's this whole other world of how prominent, connected people in the government monetize their government experience that I don't think nearly enough people know about because it's kept a little bit hush-hush, or at least it's not nearly as, as, as out in the open, or it wasn't out in the open before, maybe more so now. But why not resign? Mr. Principal, Mr. Leadership, Comey, Sancta Comey. If Trump was so bad, if that was asked, why didn't he offer his resignation? Why did he have to be fired? Maybe it's because Comey was most uh, first and foremost, a Comeyist concerned with himself and his own prerogative. Look what he's doing to the country right now. Uh, we have and I know that this is a. It can be a dodge. Right. And, and both administrations or all administrations can do the We have more serious issues to talk about. Right. Whenever you see a press secretary that gets cornered, you'll see this happen. You know, well, I think the American people would like us to focus on what matters. Sometimes that's fair. Sometimes it's a dodge. With Trump, though, I think it's getting to be fair all the time because, well. He's under the thumb of this investigation that never seems to stop. And it is distracting from the rest of the agenda. It is uh, a, a problem from the perspective of getting the uh, Trump legislation or the legislation that was promised during the Trump campaign get it through. There are some other important parts of this, though. We, we will we'll get into uh, the leaking here and leadership, according to Comey and all the rest of it. And then I got some updates on these Senior Trump officials, one is now out. Uh, you had uh, Ronnie Jackson decide he wasn't going to stick around for this. We'll look at why that is, and and they they want Pruitt, man. They are all in on trying to take down Scott Pruitt. So uh, we'll look at that as well. And uh, we've got a whole lot of whole lot of things to talk to you about. Um, so uh, team, we'll hit a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. Stay with me. On Fox News right now, Brett Baer is actually grilling Comey. Uh, let's take it for a moment.
0: And weeks went by without any action. Did you know that Andrew McCabe, your deputy, had sat on that revelation about the emails?
3: Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that to be the case. I do know that New York and FBI headquarters became aware that there may be some connection between Weiner's laptop and the Clinton investigation weeks before it was brought to me for decision. And as I write in the book, I don't know whether they could have moved faster and why the delay. So
1: was it the threat that the New York agents were going to leak, that it existed, really what drove you to the not conceal part?
3: I don't think so. I think actually what drove it was the prosecutors in New York who were working the criminal case against Weiner called down to headquarters and said, are we getting a search warrant or not for this? That caused I'm sorry, Justice yeah, Department headquarters to the then call case. across the street to the FBI and poke the organization, and they started to move much more quickly. I don't know why there was, if there was slow activity, why it was slow for those first couple of weeks. I
1: want to move on to the Trump investigation. We're told after this Australian diplomat reports his conversation with George Papadopoulos uh, talking about plans
0: to get Russia info or emails about Hillary Clinton that the FBI is notified through the State Department
1: about this in early May. True? No. When were they notified?
3: I'm not confirming what the source was from it. The FBI learned the information about Papadopoulos in late July and opened a counterintelligence investigation this at that crazy. point. This is
1: crazy. We're, we're talking still about. talking about this Papadopoulos guy. This is a joke. This is st- I, mean, I, I don't mean that, that Brit shouldn't be asking about it, but that Comey's not like, yeah, what a what a clown show that was. The Papadopoulos thing? You've got to be kidding me. The guy allegedly mouths off in a bar, says something that's like straight off the Infowars site, and that's it? And, and that's what that's how they got all this stuff started. Can we just take a step back for a moment, folks, and think about how completely crazy that is? They, they started a full FBI investigation, and this led to FISA warrants and... And people tied to the administration because of George Papadopoulos. Some guy who, you know, if you told me that he was licking envelopes for the uh, for the campaign and sending out mailers, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. This is just crazy. This is crazy. but You know, Trump knows Trump knows that it's crazy and uh, he's been calling it out. And I wanted to we'll get into some more of the questions, I, the, the whole leak thing. And and Comey's now the part of the problem is he's going over pretty familiar ground in a lot of these interviews, meaning people have already asked, you know, did you leak? He says no. And we'll get into how and why. I just want to remind you all that, you know, Comey was the attorney. was the uh, prosecutor. Who really wanted to go after Martha Stewart. I saw a piece in the Federalist. I totally agree with that. I think they should. uh they should, uh, that Trump should pardon Martha Stewart, just just to give a a what is it? What is a Bronx salute? What's a? Is that that's with the that you make the noise, right? Yeah, I should know this. I'm from New York, but just to give a one finger salute to uh, the other side here, I think that would be a great idea. Pardon Martha Stewart. Yeah, she's super rich, and it's a long time ago. Who cares? But it it, it would remind everybody. It would focus all of our for a day or two, there'd be a lot of attention to the fact that they, it's important you understand this, because you got Sancti Comey running around pretending like he's a man of the law, beyond above reproach, and all the rest of it. Um, They thought that they could make a, they tried to bring a charge, the judge did throw it out, but this is Comey and his prosecutor team trying to make a a case that because Martha Stewart had protested publicly that she was innocent. This is true. She protested that she was innocent. Comey and his cabal wanted to bring a fraud charge against her because they said that by saying publicly she was innocent, she was propping up the stock price of her company. That's who James Comey is. And now he's all sancticomious, of course, about, I don't think Martha Stewart would ever lie to prosecutors again. That's who you're dealing with here. I, I I do think it's important you remember that. Who do you think Comey has brought on board now? And I believe, as of today, we find out may have also leaked some of those memos to who's he brought on board to be his uh, legal consigliere here. Oh, that's right. Patrick Fitzgerald of all the lawyers in all the land of all the former prosecutors. Who does Comey run to in his moment of need? Among the most malicious headhunter prosecutors in the entire country. McComey is very tight with Fitzgerald was not only the guy who completely sandbagged Scooter Libby, as we've discussed here on the show. Fitzgerald was also, and I think very few of the few of you will be familiar with this case. It didn't get a lot of uh, attention and it's kind of a detailed, you know, it's it get very down the weeds. A uh, Canadian, media mogul named Conrad Black, who's also a very talented writer, writes KJ for National Review. They brought all these criminal charges against him under something called a construction of honest services fraud. And honest services fraud, the short version is, it's, if, it's whatever the prosecutor decides it is. Anything that could affect your judgment that hurts the shareholder, that could be honest services fraud. In fact, when the Supreme Court, which... Slapped down a bunch of the charges against Conrad Black as being just so overly broad as to be meaningless, Scalia said. In that case, nine o. By the way, nine o. Slapped down the uh, honest services fraud charges against Conrad Black. He said, so if if a CEO gets a a good table at a restaurant, um, and and there's is that honest services fraud. Because, you know, now he'll feel differently about that. Let's say it's a chain, it's national or something. Is that now honest services fraud? Where does it start and stop? And they didn't have an answer. Who do you think brought that case against Conrad? By the way, a conservative. Who do you think brought that against Conrad Black? Tried to send him to prison for about eight years for something that nobody could even really understand how and why it was criminal. And Conrad Black to this day says nothing criminal occurred. And the Supreme Court 9-0 had to slap down the most serious charges, overturn them. But who, who who do you think that? Oh, that's right. It was Patrick Fitzgerald. What a shock. And, you know, even with Blagojevich, I know, I know. I respect the hair. Even Blagojevich, who I think is a shady guy. He got he got hosed. Who is the prosecutor on that one? Oh, that's right. You get you get two points. Fitzgerald. And that is who Comey turns to now. It's interesting when you start to see some of the worst politically charged injustices of the last 15 or 20 years. A few prominent lawyers keep popping up Comey, Fitzgerald. We'll dig into this some more.
0: holding the line for America.
2: Buck Sexton is back. You did leak memos. I mean, is it okay for somebody at the FBI to leak something, an internal document, even if it's not
3: classified? Isn't that leaking? Well, there's a whole lot wrong with your question, Anderson. First, I didn't leak memos. I asked a friend to communicate the substance of one unclassified well, that, I memo. Mean, whether you can you I know, finish for a second? Sure. Okay. One unclassified memo to the media, and I was really important. I was a private citizen. I was not an FBI employee at that right, time. But
2: it was an internal document. It was a document you had written while you were at. F-
1: we're going to continue the soundbite. That's Comey and Cooper. Oh, Cooper gave it. It's a good interview. Um, we give credit where it's due here. It's a good interview. ask real questions. Uh, Notice what Comey does there though it's not a leak i he's so lawyerly remember he's not a he's not a badge and he's not a shield and gun guy right he's a lawyer he's not a kick in the door wrestled the crack dealer to the ground or the you know the, the heroin trafficker to the floor or whatever i mean he's he's a lawyer which I'm not trying to beat up on lawyers here I'm just saying this is who you're dealing with. You know, he poses as like the last, you know, last honest G man in the country. But look at the way that he manipulates the conversation. Or oh, it's not a leak. I asked a friend to communicate to the press the contents of an unclassified memo. What it was? It was a. It was government property. I would never do that. I would never sit around and and say, oh, I had a conversation. I had a conversation with the president. I'm going to leak it. To the press. Here's what Cooper should have said to him. If you were still FBI director, would that have been okay? If not, why not? Oh, because it's government information and you're violating, most likely, uh, not just the regulations that govern FBI ethics, but the statutes on classification as well. Some of the stuff was classified. We know that. Now he says he wasn't. But anyway, I just want to jump in. Notice how he says, oh, it wasn't leaked. Well, then, why did you use an intermediary to tell the press? Why not just tell them yourself? You're James Comey. You can't pick up the phone, talk to the New York Times. Why not? Why go through that intermediary step unless you were in some way trying to distance yourself from this? Seems quite strange, doesn't it? Continue,
2: please. FBI yeah, director, that, that is a leak. I mean, if you tell somebody, don't give them the document, but tell them what's in the document, that's still a leak, no?
3: Well, not to get tangled up in it, I think of a leak as an unauthorized disclosure of classified information. Really? That's I, it? That's that's, a leak? that's how I thought about it as FBI director. We investigated leaks, so unauthorized when, disclosures.
2: In your memo, when you said uh, that when the president said he was eager to find leakers and would like to nail one to the door as a message. I said that. Shouldn't you be nailed to the door then? I mean, aren't you a leaker? Plenty of people leak non-classified information reporters and the White House and the FBI gets upset about it.
3: FBI gets upset when people make unauthorized disclosures of protected information. There was nothing protected about this. It wasn't classified, it wasn't privileged.
1: But it was a conversation between the President of the United States and an FBI director. How can that let let's take this little the, the point about it not being privileged? So now, under Comey rules, and I want to establish that that's what we're working with now. We're working in, in in it's Comey's world and we're all living in it. That would mean that any president would expect that a future FBI director and FBI directors change, they come and go, uh, would be able to share any conversation that was had unless it explicitly and obviously contained classified information with the press at will. That's what Comey's declaring here. Don't let him just evade and be all shifty and all the rest of it. How is it possible that a that, that How is it possible that the president wouldn't at least think that future members of the cabinet, especially the national security side now, might also decide for their own reasons to uh, leak this information? Right. And, and look, I mean, the point about it, yeah, there are leaks. Leak is kind of a term like harassment, but it depends on the context, When meaning that there's, there's legal harassment and there's just, hey, don't harass me, right? There are leaks and there are leaks, uh, you know, but he's trying to be evasive here by the terminology that he uses. But think about the damage that's done to the relationship between the president and his top advisors when one of his most recent top advisors, you know, not from the Department of Agriculture, no offense, ag guys, but from the FBI. is like, yeah, you know, this was... Basically what he's saying is, I talked to the president, he said some embarrassing stuff, so I went out and told the New York Times. And that's fine. No... There, there, there's no, uh, no lack of integrity in that. There's not any exchange of my ethics in that process. Nope, it's all fine. I mean, he's just a liar. Nobody would think that's okay. Nobody would think that's okay. Um, You know, look, he obviously didn't go and leak to the New York Times that Trump said that you know he he orders his hamburgers a certain way. It was it was information. The reason he passed along the information was because he thought it would have an adverse impact against the administration. Right. It was it was it was personal, settled personal score. So. The president was was obviously wrong to think that Comey was enough of a man of honor that as FBI director, he would keep confidence with the president of the United States. Remember, he wasn't placed under oath. You know, what did Trump say to you? He went to The New York Times like a weasel. That's who this guy is. And good for Cooper for at least pushing him on it a bit. I have to say, I, th- I thought it was pretty pretty good. Uh, by the way, there was a st- where was the student that asked the question about leaking, by the way, Mike? I see that here on our clip list. Uh, well, we, we, we'll play the question. Apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, a, a student asked
3: it.
4: That you are suitable to teach a course on ethics and leadership, and why?
3: I do, for the reasons I said. I mean, the facts really matter. And I believe that I acted appropriately and I handled the memos appropriately, created them for an important and appropriate person purpose. So I, I really don't see and I'd be happy to debate it with anybody. We can debate it in my class because my mind is open to other points of view, but I don't see it, honestly.
1: See, Comey always when pushed, when he's cornered, it's always just, well, I could see the other side. But I, I what I did was ethical and that was my judgment call. He never sees the. Political influences on these decisions that operate within some realm of discretion. It's just always, yeah, you know, that's that was the call that I made. No, no harm in it, no problem. I think the whole thing is so, so very, very uh, disingenuous. Um, but here we are. Uh, oh, but he was asked about the the culture at the F. But by the way, I want to also get to Pruitt and Ronnie Jackson, and we got a lot of other things here today. The border. I'm not going to spend the whole show. I know everyone's been hitting the Comey thing really hard, but he's just saturating the airwaves right now. And I'm not new on the Comey stinks train. I've not liked this guy. I didn't like him before the election. I know people that worked in the Bush administration who were like, you cannot trust this guy. He poses as a saint, but he is a snake. And that was very accurate. And maybe I even want to, I kind of want to ask the people that told me that, hey, would you mind if I gave you credit for that? I don't know if it was so much an analysis as it was a prognostication, but I kind of want to give them credit for it because it's right. Um, It's right. Uh, But then there was the issue about whether the FBI is politicized or not. You know, Congress is getting handed over the Page Struck texts, right? Lisa Page and uh, Peter Struck, FBI agent, FBI lawyer, or DOJ lawyer, whatever. And they're. All their nasty Trump talk and everything else. So we're going to see more of this, I think. We're going to have a better sense of how deep the anti-Trump animus ran at uh, the FBI and the DOJ. But when Comey is asked about politicization at the FBI here, and remember, see, there's so many ways to be evasive here. No one thinks that the FBI field office in L.A. or Omaha or Tallahassee is politicized. That's not the that's not the accusation. It's about at the top levels. And that's all that really matters. Keep in mind, the Hillary Clinton email investigation was handled by FBI HQ, not by the New York field office, not even by the D.C. field office. FBI headquarters took on that case. Hmm. You know, like makes it a little bit easier to control the direction of these things when the very senior most people all of whom expect to be working for President Hillary Clinton within a matter of months are the ones steering the ship, right? Okay, so when we're talking about politicization, it's not like some random, oh, you know, are there any people with political opinions in the FBI that they throw up all these smoke screens? No, it's have there been obviously politicized decisions made at the top levels of the FBI on investigations that would have had... Uh, it would have changed the trajectory of U.S. history. Let's just be honest about it. That's really what we're talking about here. Would have changed the direct... I- I'm pretty sure... Look, Hillary lost anyway, right? So let it. But I think the, uh, the Democrats, if Hillary was actually facing criminal charges before the election, might have, you know, they might have thrown the burn in there. That's right, baby. Ready to go? On the sidelines, jumping in at a moment's notice. It could have happened, dude. And you know what would have been the craziest thing ever? Who knows what the burn would have done. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan. I still think Trump wins, but might have been a little closer. I think it's closer with Bernie. Shares some of Trump's message on, on workers and, and on manufacturing and on outsourcing. I mean, you know, his none of the math works out with, like, free college and all that. I get that. But all the blue places were going to vote for Bernie anyway. Uh, okay, I'm getting—let me, let me step back from that rabbit hole for a moment. The question about politicization, here is how Comey answered it.
3: The FBI is not politicized, that's nonsense. The FBI, though, is being politically attacked. And the reason that is so dangerous and so stupid, even if you're a Republican, we need those institutions. All of us need those institutions. And there's a reason that Lady Justice wears a blindfold. So she's not peeking out to see what President this or President that thinks about her decisions. Without that, without that blindfold, one of the major pillars of this democracy is lost, and that is, should be deeply worrying to all of us, including Republicans in Congress who know better.
1: That little bit of sanctimony from a guy who is selling hundreds of thousands of books trying to tear down a sitting president after being his FBI director. That little bit of uh, completely disingenuous, grandstanding moral preening from a guy who was obviously making political decisions with regard to the Hillary Clinton case, who made, it, made the decision on his own to take over for Loretta Lynch and say that no, no, charges, no reasonable prosecutor would have brought charges against Hillary Clinton. That's just a lie. And that little speech from someone who has done more, I think, to shake the faith of the American people in the nonpartisan, at least nonpartisan, mission, of federal law enforcement at the senior-most level than any other official in, in recent memory. And he, he's the one giving the speeches about institutions? Why, why should Trump trust the FBI director now? I mean, maybe he thinks, you know, Ray is great and all, but I don't know, maybe he's going to write a book, too. You know, it's changed a lot since when I was in. I mean, there were—it used to be, and this is the truth, even when I was at CIA, there were— uh, people were very um, sour on the whole writing a book about your experience thing. You could do it, but it was really looked down upon. And that was for folks who wanted to write books about, hey, you know, I I did great stuff and I love my country and I love this agency. Or, you know, same thing for uh, FBI people. You know, I, I work these great cases and I just want people to know how great the F. It was still I'm not saying it was everyone agreed on this, but there was a lot of maybe you shouldn't do that. And, and there was a period at the, at the CIA specifically where they were really thinking about clamping down on anybody writing memoirs of any kind, right? They were very unhappy with that whole situation. Now it's like every director, not only do they write a book, and not just being directors, you know, all the senior people, FBI and all these other agencies, not only do they write a book right away, they want to be political pundits right away. And sort of the same way that Twitter has shown us who the, who the journalist class really is, who they are, what they think. Now we're seeing what the deep state really is. It's these people that work in these places who are supposed to be operating with nothing but the mission in mind, but they're political actors. All right. I, see, this, this gets me all fired up, but I'm just saying, I mean, look, if, if Comey was, if he was trying to be so honest and ethical, why not at least wait until he testified before Congress about this issue? Why leak it to the New York Times? He's just a dirty, he's a dirty political infighter. As you can tell, I don't like this guy. I dislike Fitzgerald even more. But Comey's pretty terrible. Uh, we have to talk about Pruitt and Ronnie Jackson. That is coming up. If you've got any thoughts on this, by the way, 844-900-2825. 844-900 buck um, And if you stay around to the third hour, I'll tell you about the Cobra Kai show, which is being released soon, which I'm very excited about. So uh, be right back. So the Brett Bear interview uh, was something else with Comey. It actually was really good, from what I gather. Here, I, I was able to hear some of it in the break. I'm going to go back and watch it all tonight. But one important part of it, because this, ha- I said this right before the interview went on and went on air, uh, how Comey, if he want, you know, he wanted to keep his job, right? Brett Baer asked him, you know, did did you act the way you did with the president because you're wanting to keep your job? What do you think Comey's response was? Possibly. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so Comey esque, isn't it? We're asking you, dude. What what you're thinking was at the time? That was possibly my thinking. It's just so lawyerly, man. Comey. Comey will, uh, you know, emerge from the battle with the uh, Romans victorious. It means whatever you want it to mean. That's how Comey rolls. So anyway, um, I, I just I find it very. Uh, very frustrating that this guy's gotten all the the attention that he has and that he's gotten his way really he wanted to set up a special counsel against Trump and and now that's still grinding on uh, i know cohen uh, so there was this this development today i'm not going to just completely skip over it
0: As a percentage of my overall legal work, a tiny, tiny little fraction. But Michael would represent me and represent me on some things. He represents me like with this uh, crazy Stormy Daniels deal. He represented me. And, uh, you know, from what I see, he did absolutely nothing wrong. There were no campaign funds going in.
1: (sighs) They're going to go after Cohen. I I... I I don't know what they're going to get him on, and I don't think it's going to be anything serious. But I can tell you that they're going to come up. My, I would put money on they're going to have some charges against Cohen. Remember, the, the, just like how they they wanted to get Martha Stewart for fraud because she said she was innocent, and that was propping up the stock of her company that she owned. Okay, uh, a prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich. Cohen is the ham sandwich here. They're going to indict him. I don't know with what, but it's going to happen, and then, and that's going to lead to it's a whole other cycle of oh my gosh see another and they're just just like they're tallying it up on a board they got papadopoulos they got flynn they got uh gates and manafort and uh, that vander schmugen whatever that guy's name was anyway we got uh, we got to talk about prude coming up stay right there buck sexton
0: permission decoding the news and disseminating information <laughs> with actionable intelligence. One, all, make. Make no mistake. Ready. Your great America. Ready. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate.
1: Former CIA analyst.
0: Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton.
2: It is Buck Sexton. Now.
1: Facts are facts and fiction is fiction. And a lie doesn't become truth just because it appears on the front page of the newspaper. Much of what has been targeted towards me and my team has been Half-truths or at best, stories that have been so twisted that they do not resemble reality. And I'm here, and I welcome the chance to be here, to set the record straight in these areas. But let's have no illusions about what was really going on here. Those who have attacked the EPA and attacked me are doing so because they want to attack and derail the president's agenda and undermine this administration's priorities. I'm simply not going to let that happen. A Pruitt EPA chief fighting back today down on Capitol Hill. You know, I read the things about this guy and think to myself, it's not great. It's not terrible. But the fact that they hate him so much, the fact that Democrats really despise this guy, makes me think uh, he's probably pretty good. I kind of like him. I kind of like him because they hate him. Now, that may seem simplistic, but it is generally true when it comes to Democrat politicians. The more that the... Capitol Hill uh, Q&A turns into a show trial where members of the Democrat Party are trying to get clips put on MSNBC, Uh, the more the person that they're haranguing usually is someone I'm like, yeah, I like that person. They've got good things going on. Generally, it's not always the case. It's generally the case. Uh, And we know that when it comes to the environment, the Democrats really view environmentalism as a replacement religious belief environmentalism is a religious belief for leftists who think they're too smart for religion. And that's why they become so impassioned, I would argue, uh, deranged about the issue, right? This is why they will say crazy things. They will defend indefensible propositions, and they don't disagree with people based on the environment. They actually hate people that they think are insufficiently devoted to whatever the environment, you know, if, if you don't drive a Prius, if you're not like, hey, man, like I'm driving around my Prius, and I'm, how's your composting project going? Mine's great. I'm not. Gonna lie. I was in a restaurant today. There were four trash cans, with all these different designations on the trash cans. I mean, this is here in New York City, so it's a lot of Democrats here too. But you know, I don't really want this to be like an SAT question. I just want to dispose of the things I have used to feed myself. You know. Yeah, you, know, you, you, you know it's one for like the plastics and one for the glass and one for the compost and. One <sighs> and by the way, it's not even good for the environment. I mean, you actually get into it, a lot of stuffs not even good for the environment, which is what drives up really crazy, right? Yeah, let's just replace all of our plastic, which you can use over and over again, with paper. Hmm, paper comes from trees. You have to take that paper once you've cut down those trees and transport it. and It's actually kind of heavy. But yeah, there's that. Facts can be stubborn things, inconvenient things, too. Uh, so but they're going after Pruitt. You know, they, they say he rented a room and we, I saw the whole big thing about it. Turns out it's within the ethics requirements. You know, they don't like it, but. eh. He flies around first class. It's not great, but, you know, I don't like his reasoning for it. They're mean to me. That's not cool, but. It's not like they just have little problems with him. They hate this guy. That was clear clear from the questioning today. And I am just slow to throw someone under the bus because Democrats want me to. I don't like it. You know, it's always a good strategy. It's very uh it's very Sun Tzu like. Do not do the thing your enemy wants you to do. <laughs> That's this is a a buck rule. Don't do the thing your enemy wants you to do. Do other things. And they want us to uh to toss Pruitt. So I, I'm not feeling. It. And plus, our, our friend Kim Strassel from The Wall Street Journal is uh, w- waging, dare I say, a, a crusade, a one woman crusade here to change the thinking around privilege. He's like he's deregulating. He's rolling back a lot of the Obama era EPA stuff. You know? I cannot think of EPA, by the way, and not think of Walter Peck from Ghostbusters, which then which then makes me think about how Ghostbusters is actually a conservative movie. Small businessmen, entrepreneurs, the Ghostbusters, get all jacked up by uh, the Environmental Protection Agency getting into their business. That's what it is. It's big government run amuck. That is, in fact, the underlying, that is the morality tale of Ghostbusters, for those of you who have not seen it. Um, and he almost destroys, the, the EPA guy almost destroys the world by letting all the, the ghosts and the monsters out. So... There's that. Important important lessons for the kids. EPA needs to be pared back. EPA's gotten out of control under the Obama administration. That's happening. The left hates that. Uh, one more bit of disappointing news in the senior ranks of the administration. You had uh, Ronnie Jackson say, look, I'm just not doing that anymore. I saw the allegations about him. And as I told you, when someone's really a bad guy and people from within the ranks are gonna are, are, are letting you know, you usually hear stories that you're like, ooh, okay, that's really bad. It, it comes out. The worst stuff that I've they say that he wrecked a government car when he was drunk. I feel like I would know that's either a thing that happened or it didn't. So that should be provable one way or the other, but he's decided to step aside. And then he gives some prescriptions out without uh, paperwork. I mean, where is he doing this? Under what, you know, is he really going to say, sorry, Mr. President, I can't give you that, uh, I don't know, whatever it is. Because I don't have my prescription pad with me right now. I mean, I, you know, I don't know what the extent is of, of the allegations because we're not being really told. But uh, once again, I, my it smells fishy to me. Uh, Dan Bongino, who's a friend and who, as you know, worked in Secret Service, you see him all uh, see him all over Fox, and um, and he's got his own show. He's a, he's a great guy. Uh, I've seen him. He is fiercely defending uh, Ronnie Jackson. And I, Dan wouldn't do that if, because he, you know, he knew the guy, knew his reputation. Dan wouldn't do that if he wasn't, a, if this guy wasn't a good dude. Dan's a good dude. If he tells me that Ronnie Jackson's a good dude, we have got a couple of good dudes here. I think this is pretty clear. So I feel like it's uh, something. I, something. I smell something funky. I can't give you the. I can't give you a, a definitive one way or the other, just because you know they're not going to play this one out ronnie has stepped uh dr jackson <laughs> hey ronnie no dr jackson has stepped aside he's like i'm i'm not going to do this anymore and i see i see this time and again really talented excellent people who are like i just don't want any part of of uh se- senior particularly senior government service right getting into the ranks where you know you're a target politically i always think back to this is a true story uh I shouldn't say that because it makes it sound like I tell not true stories. True story. True story. No, no. No crap. There I was. This is true. Uh, Bernie Carrick, whom I've actually come to know a little bit from green rooms of various cable news. And he was a very nice, soft-spoken, good dude. Uh, Speaking of good dudes, I like Bernie. uh, Commissioner Carrick. But, you know, he got all jammed up because he, uh, you know, was going to be Obama's, I think it was a Homeland Security guy and then they you know they they found like he had taken some repairs on his house or something and 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 they decided to just annihilate him i mean they went after him the judge at his sentencing went above the federal guidelines to make a point that is i mean for what terrible crime taking like a 170,000 of rent which by the way that's like a bathroom in new york city that's what it costs to renovate a bathroom here i'm i'm just saying but uh, and then they wanted to get him because there's something when you apply, I think for the you know the security clearance, it's like have you done anything uh, you know embarrassing? And he clicked no, or not clicked, but you know whatever checked clicked. I don't know what he did. And they wanted to prosecute him for that too. So if Carrick didn't apply, am I getting all this right, Mike? Because this is all from yeah. Mike's giving the nod. He knows Buck knows what time it is. Uh, th- this this guy. Would have would have retired as a seven-figure security consultant, former NYPD commissioner, et cetera. But he wanted to serve his country again as DHS secretary. And because he caused the administration a little heartburn, they crushed him. And he has a very he's very open about it, very honest, and and says that he is a totally different after being police commissioner, but now having served time in federal prison, uh very different feeling about criminal law and about, you know, what people get sent away for. And, you know, like Martha Stewart for what she did, which was nothing. Um, he had no part of that. I'm just saying people do get sent away for nonsense. Right? If people get sent away, you're like, well, for what? So that's, you know, that's all the context for the, the Pruitt situation. Ronnie Jackson, I just the other they play so dirty and. You know, it's it's troubling because it ultimately it it affects all of us in a negative way. It means really good people don't want to be a part of senior government service. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be. Eh, no way. You know? I mean, would I be an awesome White House? Name it like guy that fights with guy that fights with the press, obviously. But I don't want that. I like this job. I don't want that job. Um, oh, but I got some good news for you. See, I like to bring a little sugar into the conversation too. Pompeo got through. Yay. And the CI director too, right? CI director got through as well. Yeah, the CI director uh, ha- um, ha- Haspel. I keep, ha- yeah, I keep saying ha- um, the other the former congressman's name ha- Hasp- uh, Haspel. Uh, she got through, and uh, so there you go. Some administration folks uh, have gotten through. Pompeo is going to be great, by the way. I like that guy. I don't really know why. Just kind of like him. He's got a good resume and all that, but he. Uh, Seems like somebody that I think the president's going to be able to count on for some difficult stuff ahead because this whole North Korea negotiation is going to be uh, it's going to be a high wire act, my friends. And uh, you need somebody who's got your back. You don't want a Secretary of State who's the guy in the bar who, when the chairs start getting thrown, is like, "I'll be outside in the car." Pompeo's uh, going to roll up the sleeves, I think. Uh, oh, we we're going to talk about. Uh, by the way, we got to talk about Cosby coming up here, but but first. Our sponsor this half hour is Black Rifle Coffee. There's coffee uh, all over the place, lots of different kinds of coffee that you can get. Forget all of it. You don't want to buy your coffee from a bunch of uh, Marxist rebels overseas. How about American coffee company that is put together, founded by, and run by veterans of the United States military? Black Rifle Coffee is the answer, my friends. They offer delicious premium small batch roast-to-order coffee. I'm a subscriber, so I don't even mess around with buying it time and again. I just get it delivered to me each, each month now. It comes. I like the K-Cups because I have a K-Cup machine. Just make the coffee at home. They have delicious blends. Try it out for yourself. Go to blackriflecoffee.com buck. That's blackriflecoffee.com buck. Coupon code buck15. That's buck15. That'll get you 15% off. And tell the Black Rifle folks that you are supporting Team Buck and Black Rifle at the same time. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck, coupon code Buck15.
3: I'll also be executing an executive order that says ICE cannot enter a state facility or a state building without a valid uh, judicial warrant.
1: Oh, here we go. That's the governor of New York who is following in the governor of California's footsteps with open obstruction of federal law enforcement and the advocacy of lawlessness. From now on, ICE officials will only be allowed in a facility of state employees if they have a warrant and if I feel like letting them in because I'm going to be a nice guy. That's basically what Cuomo says. Uh, And uh, with about as much intelligence and and wit uh, as that, this is complete and utter garbage from the uh, governor of New York here, but I guess we shouldn't be surprised. The center of gravity, the center of uh, political gravity, has coalesced so much around illegal aliens that for the most important Democrat states, these deep, deep blue states, it's become a single issue for the state government. Meaning that they will not, they will not waver on this one, and this is more important than any other policy issue that faces them right now. Uh, Essentially, you can't win an election now in California. You can't win an election in New York. I'm willing to bet it's probably true of Chicago, too, although I don't know the demographics there quite as well, Uh, unless you're pro-illegal alien. I'm not saying unless you take a sympathetic view of illegal. No, 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 no. Unless you are, in fact, pro-illegal alien, you cannot win elections there. It means give them uh, in-state tuition, driver's licenses, I just want to know, why is it that if I showed up in Monaco, where I think you have no taxes, and I believe you have to have net assets I don't know what it is, maybe it's a million dollars or something, or that certainly helps. But if I showed up in Monaco and said, "I, I demand citizenship and I want to stay here," and they uh, had their constables politely escort me out of the country, nobody would feel bad for me. Tell me a country around the world that's a serious country where I can just show up and say, um, "I want stuff. Give me stuff." And you're not allowed to make me leave. I, I'm not aware of that country. I would like to know. It's, cert- it's not true, by the way. You, you know, Western Europe uh, does this with refugees, but not with Americans. I remember I thought about it years ago. I was going to take a summer and try to, like, work in France or something. I thought it would be kind of a cool idea. Uh-uh. Americans, you don't, you don't get to just show up there. No. you got to get a work visa, and there's all kinds of stuff. You don't get to stay. Tough to get EU citizenship. I think if you prove, you uh, producer Mike. If you, what do you have to do to get? uh, What? What? You're you're Irish like me, right? If you're Irish enough. Oh, by the way, my uh, my brother. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to skip ahead and get to the results. My brother just got his ancestry test back. Yeah, but I'm actually going to be doing one and talk about it here on the air. I've got one coming to me in the mail. I'm going to be doing an ancestry kit and we'll have a discussion. I am really hoping we find some interesting spice, you know, some some funky surprise in there, right? You know, Buck is actually, uh, I don't know, 10% Inuit. That would be cool. I don't know. But Inuits, that's Eskimo, not okay. Inuit, right? But isn't Eskimo also, isn't Eskimo just one tribe? I, don't, I can't even keep up with it anymore. All right, I've gone way off the rails. Back to Cuomo. Yes, back to Cuomo! who is among the dumbest national-level politicians in the country. And then you've got the bro-in-chief. And that actually works out really well because he's a bro. Like, do you even lift, bro? And he's the brother of Cuomo over at CNN. So that actually worked out. That was a twofer that I just pulled off there. Uh, Chris Cuomo, who's like, hey, look, I'm you know, I'm an honest guy. You know, hey, you know, I hope that all the housewives like seeing me on TV. I've been lifted. uh he is a little more sharp than this Cuomo, who's just, I am apparently the dumbest and meanest politician at the state level in the United States. People that I know who have worked for this guy say that you you cannot overstate how terrible he is. So I I can't speak with any personal authority. I've never met the guy. I don't know him. But I know people who know him and they do not have good things to say. Um, but back to the initial premise here, this news just broke when we came when we were uh, a little bit before we went on air. And they're saying that now, unless you have a warrant as a federal immigration officer, you are barred from state law enforcement facilities. Uh, facilities. Now, I, I actually worked in a what is really a federal fusion center. where We have local law enforcement with federal law enforcement. And this goes back to some of the anti-drug trafficking efforts, something called the High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area, HIDTA, also known as HIDA. uh, There's a long history in this country of local and federal law enforcement working hand in hand because it's about public safety and rule of law. These left wing zealots that run California, New York and other places are throwing all of that out. And they are actively in the business now of obstructing federal law enforcement. They do not care how it looks. They do not care what it will do to the perceptions of uh, of the rule of law. No, they they don't care about any of that. It's just about votes and power at this point. It's not just the illegal aliens who are going to make a lot of noise and protest if they don't get what they think they deserve from these cities. The families that they're related to. It's the you know the children of illegal aliens who many of them are now adults and who have their own children, right? And and they all are going to vote for whoever gives the most uh, preferential treatment. Two illegal aliens. I mean, this is a troubling, troubling set of circumstances, my friends. But this is what's going on in the country. The administration has to get on this. They have to fight this. I- I'm going to come back to the caravan issue. I wanted to give you that breaking news now. I'm going to come back to the caravan issue. Uh, remember, at our U.S. Mexico border, it's not over. There's still a caravan, and and then the DACA, uh, the DACA debacle, which we have updates on uh, from earlier weeks. the that'll be coming up in. The third hour of the show. But I got to talk to you about the Cosby thing, because that was as guilty. I'm sure you know that. But why and how? Meaning how did the jury see it that way? And why were they finally able to get this guy after all of the uh, just the serial predation he engaged in? Uh, We will get into that with Emily Campanio coming up in just a minute.
3: He has been convicted on all three counts, on so all three counts of aggravated, indecent assault, uh, punishable by up to 10 years in prison. Uh, that would be 30 years if you had him up, but he could serve potentially all of those uh, uh, convictions uh, concurrently.
1: Bill Cosby, guilty, 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 could get 30 years, which I don't think anyone expects that he would last those 30 years, uh, but what a fall for. A guy who was at one point, I think you could say without all that much argument, among the most beloved TV characters in recent American history. Right. The Cosby show and Bill Cosby at the head of it now a convicted sexual predator, Bill Cosby. Well, what what happened in this trial and then also what can we expect in terms of appeals and where this is all going to go? from here we've got emily campagna with us she's a former uh, criminal defense attorney and she's a legal analyst now emily great to have you back
4: hey thanks so much for having me back
1: okay so what do you think was the the turning point here because i I didn't follow this trial closely Uh, i know that cosby has had all these allegations in the past why did he why do you think the jury decided three counts three felony counts guilty
4: i think there were two major turning points in this retrial that affected this outcome. Number one, the fact that prosecution used a forensic psychiatrist. That was their first witness. And just recently, Pennsylvania passed legislation that allowed for a forensic psychiatrist to testify. And basically what it means is that this expert witness came in and testified to rape culture and testified expertly that things like a victim continuing to call an, an, an attacker Um, Or engaging in certain types of behavior that, you know, up until now, I think people assume, oh, that meant that nothing happened or whatever. But um, here, that testimony was really crucial to kind of dispelling rape myths. So that's number one. And secondly, the fact that we had five women testify versus in the original trial, we only had one. In this trial, the judge allowed those five women to testify, and they were establishing prior bad acts. So, again, it's not that they were um, victims in this particular trial, but it's that they were testifying that this is what this guy does. This is his pattern of behavior. And so those two things, in my mind, were the two um, really pinnacle things that changed it this time around.
1: Now, there was only one woman whose case was within the statute of limitations, right? So, so the other women who were testifying about Cosby's previous conduct, they were, as, as you stated, establishing who this guy was, but there was only one woman that actually could have the charges, uh, could could bring charges based upon what Cosby did to her. Is that is that right?
4: Correct, right. She's the only one that was within the statute of limitations. And I do want to point out, too, the fact that, The DA said afterwards that this case sends a strong message that victims will not be deserted. And he really, um, it was clear that he was emotionally attached to this case and that he did feel that there was an element of failure on the part of the criminal justice system and even our society in terms of all of the women that had come forward before that were silenced or that might not have felt uh, strong enough or supported enough to come forward. And he cited specifically Cosby's wealth celebrity and network those are three things that he said to basically blast it apart and say that this guy hid behind wealth celebrity and his network for 30 years and now he finally can't and so that's something that i think in terms of your lead in here when you said what to expect next um i just want to highlight that because in the me too climate i think that's what we're going to see is these power facades crumbling as there are there's now strong public support for these um, prosecutions and juries that that might now again dispelling rape culture myths will now believe these women and convict accordingly
1: and there was a bit of a kerfuffle after the guilty verdict came down Uh, listen to this audio from the courtroom
4: the state attorney said your honor we believe he's a flight risk he has a private plane at that point bill cosby stood up looked at the state attorney and said in a loud, booming voice, he doesn't have a plane, you hole." It was loud. It was strong. His PR representative came over to Bill Cosby to try to calm him down, and the judge was actually on the side of Bill Cosby. You give me facts that he's going to be a flight risk. I don't see it.
1: What do you make of that?
4: What I make of that actually is you know, upon hearing that, you're like, oh, maybe that was the, that's the moment everyone saw what what a bad guy he is. But actually, what turned for the jury, what illustrated for the jury the kind of bad guy he was were all those women testifying and so to me it sealed the deal it didn't show them or prove anything that this jury had not already concluded based on the evidence that was presented in front of them and I want to make a point for listeners as well that um, that some attorneys are saying in the strength of the appeal here that those prior women's the. The women who testify that these prior allegations, that they were never criminally charged. But I want everyone to be clear, it doesn't matter. that The lack of a criminal charge does not affect whether it's admissible in terms of the, the rules of evidence in court to establish that pattern. So that's an important distinction here. Um, and I, what I also thought was semi-amusing is the fact that, you know, as we know, and I've tweeted out about this a lot, that punishment doesn't uh, – doesn't center or remain yeah. uh, solely with incarceration, right? It also includes fines. And the DA afterwards said, Oh, he's going to be on the hook for all, for all the charges for the costs incurred by this community in this state for prosecuting this guy twice. And he said for someone who called the $3.8 million sum that he settled out with Andrea Constan earlier, Paltry in front of the court, he called it Paltry. He said, I'm sure he'll have no problems putting the bill. So you know, Cosby's on the hook for a lot more than just the sentence.
1: What happens now in terms of appeals? And before you answer that, we're speaking to Emily Campagno. Uh, she's a former criminal defense attorney and a legal analyst. Uh, Emily, yeah, what what happens now for, for, the, for Cosby if he's trying to contest this, which I'm assuming he will?
4: Right. His attorney has stated that they will appeal. Um, so concurrently, they will appeal, but in about 60 days-ish, will be the actual sentencing. And as you stated earlier, he faces up to 10 years per count, which is 30 years total. In the interim, there will be a couple investigations that occur, and that's pursuant to Pennsylvania law. So that includes um, a sexual offender investigation. And basically, the prosecution will be amassing their side of the story because sentencing is a whole other, you know, phase. And then they will present what they think is appropriate. You know, he's 80. so But at the same time, uh, your age doesn't excuse Penalties. So, given this the statutory requirements, I'm sure he obviously will not be sentenced to the maximum. Um, but either way, again, given his age, you wonder if he will spend the rest of his days in jail if the appeal is not successful.
1: Now, now, just given how many accusers there have been, and the fact that it took until now for there to be a guilty verdict of any kind against Cosby, uh, was was he close to? Uh, being out of jeopardy based on the statute of limitations with uh, with the woman in, in this case, or or was it was it ver- was it rather recent? I don't know what what year was the incident in question.
4: The incident in question was 14 years ago, right? But I want to make the point for listeners that partly which what was a game changer and the reason why the criminal investigation was reopened in 2015 was the fact that the Associated Press, so the AP requested that the depositions so let me back up for a second so 14 years ago when all of this went but I mean, so this what's the statute occurred,
1: though Like, if, if this was within the statute what is the statute in Pennsylvania like how long I don't know I mean, off the
4: top of my head to be honest oh, I mean, fair obviously enough. Okay. they were within it, it, it I, yeah, I don't know they were clearly within it but here's the thing that 14 years ago when this went down and there was a civil lawsuit right Andrea Consan sued Bill Cosby like I just mentioned he paid $3.8 million to settle it during the course of that Lawsuit, those were there were depositions taken, and the AP requested that the judge unseal those depositions. So, the uh, the judge that presided over that case, and that, and the judge mentioned the fact that Cosby is a public moralist, that he goes on these rants, that he traveled around the country um, touting his stature as America's dad, quote unquote, um, and as a public moralist to release the deposition. Portions of the deposition statements because they found it relevant, and because of the release of those portions of depositions where Cosby, um, you know, confessed basically confirmed that he drugged these women and had sex with them. But the issue in his mind was just consent. That is what reopened the criminal investigation in 2015. So it wasn't just about the that the DA that she filed charges recently. It's that new evidence came to light in 2015 and enabled a criminal investigation to be reopened and charges subsequently brought. So that's the most important. Yeah, I I was
1: just when I was asking about the statute of limitations, I was just thinking out loud that uh, he almost got away with all of it. It's really pretty remarkable when you think about it. I mean, how how much predation this guy engaged in based on all the accusations. Now he's a convicted sex offender, but he, he almost got away with it all.
4: I mean, almost, but it speaks to the tenacity, too, of the DA's office and the fact that, again, now we had, instead of a he-said, she-said trial, we had he-said, she-said backed up by five additional witnesses that provided a pattern of that behavior, um, backed up by by more substantial evidence. And I also think it's a testament to this particular tenacity of the the prosecution here because he had a whole new defense team. So this retrial, he had Michael Jackson's defense team, and they were rabid. I mean, they absolutely— drug, Andrea Constan, and those witnesses through the mud, and um, there was a lot of strife that kind of came from that fact, and so it's not as if he was lying down. I mean, he was, they were fighting hard, and so the fact that, yes, this was a conviction on all three counts, that's really something.
1: All right, Emily Campagno, everybody. She's a uh, attorney and legal analyst. You can follow her on Twitter, at Emily Campagno. Emily, thank you so much for all the analysis today. We appreciate it. Come back soon.
4: Absolutely. Thank you.
1: Our team, we are going to uh, hit a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to have much more for you, including uh, updates on. Actually, it's not an update because I haven't talked to you about it yet. The Joy Reid case uh, at MSNBC. What's going on there? She claims she was hacked. We'll get into it. And also, the migrant caravan is at the border. What's going on? Stay with me. The young lady seems like a perfectly nice person. She's getting her award.
3: What's he doing? Why happened. would he do that? He's a jackass. no no all this stuff cut the president some slack
1: (laughs) that was that was a look we're having a little fun here that was Obama calling Kanye you know a jackass which uh the team here threw that into the mix I just thought it was kind of funny you recall that Kanye and and I remember I was very upset because I'm I'm a I'm a secret T-Swift fan Taylor Swift Kanye went up on stage and he took the or kind of like didn't really take it from her, but grabbed temporarily the award for was it the Grammy, the Emmy. I never keep this stuff. The Grammy, right? Oh, and it was MTV Music Awards. It wasn't even it wasn't even a Grammy. It was like the little little astronaut man thing they give out. Right. Because people really, really cherish that. Um, so, yeah, he uh, he tried to take her MTV award away from her on stage and he was acting a little a uh, little strange at the time. Uh, and Ob- I look I, Obama called them out. I gotta say, I think a lot of conservatives, myself included at the time, were like, yeah, he was acting like a jackass. Obama's right. So just because Obama says it doesn't mean it's wrong, people. Let's not let's not go down that path. I mean, Obama, you know, he he gets he gets it right occasionally, just like everyone gets it right occasionally. Uh, but Kanye right now is he is uh he's getting all kinds of attention and not all of it good, which you can assume would be the case. The moment you've got somebody with that kind of currency and uh pop culture uh, and, and within the hip-hop community and from the black community specifically. Right, Somebody who is uh, not just well-known, I think you could say Kanye is, I don't know if revered is the right word, but um, got a lot of following, got, got a lot of fans all across the country. Uh, and so here we go. Um, this is the list, the list of the unfollowing of Kanye West so far. Now, now, I cannot verify that this is true, but this is making the way. That's it. We actually could verify it. Now that I think about it, um, but I think I mean you know because this is public, right? Who you follow and don't follow, and based on uh, based on what's making its way around the interwebs right now, I, I know we're just we're we're digging into this Kanye story, folks. It's it's hot right now. Chance the rapper, Kanye, P. Diddy the capitalist. What did you say his name was? Like, like one love or something? Brother love. Brother love. It could, I mean, one love would also work, right? But you know, anyway, brother love. Wow, that's like that's like Prince changing his name to a symbol level level weird, right? Like that makes no sense at all. I mean, my name is Buck, so maybe a Glasshouse Stones, all that. Uh, but he, here's what, what: Kanye has been unfollowed by Drake. Ariana Grande, even I know who some of these people are, which is saying something. Justin Bieber, I remember hearing that kid like a decade a decade plus ago. I was in D.C. I remember hearing him on the radio giving an interview. And I remember being, who is this little punk? I need to give him a wedgie right now, you know? Like, who is this kid? I'm not even going to pr- pretend that I could do an impersonation of him, but I, I probably could if I gave him some thought. Back to the unfollowing list, though. So these are people, big celebrities who have made a made a showing of unfollowing on Twitter from Kanye, Katy Perry, Kendrick Lamar, Rihanna, The Weeknd, both a, uh, a person and you know, a, a proper noun and just a noun. Right. A thing that we all enjoy and perhaps a musician that you listen, listen to sometimes. And Zayn Malik. I will note that uh, other people as Troy Sivan have no I have no idea who that is. Do do you know who Troy Sivan is? And Brandon's like a rock DJ, so One Direction? That they don't that doesn't count. Unless One Direction unfollows as a group, I don't care if one of them unfollows. Come on. That's like that's like getting one Spice Girl mad at you. Unless all of them unless like all of them are super mad at you, it doesn't matter. Uh, who else is in here? Janelle Monet? With an accent, accent a grave over the A? What's that? Who's she? Brandon, you're the rock DJ. Tell me. She's just another R&B singer. Oh, she R&B yeah. singer? Um, With an accent over the A. That's interesting. Is Jaden Smith Will Smith's son? That one I could just figure out on my own. All right. He was in a Bad Karate Kid remake. I actually saw some of that, and it was really, because we're going to be talking about Karate Kid in the next hour. Oh, that's right. Cobra Kai, son. It's been made real. It's coming out. Uh, But the uh, the Jaden Smith one could sometimes they reboot these franchises and they do a good job. Creed is a very good reboot of the Rocky franchise. And Michael B. Jordan, I understand you don't want to be confused with the other Michael Jordan. Michael B. Jordan does a a very, very strong job. And it's a good movie. Um, The Karate Kid remake based in Beijing, I think, or Shanghai. I forget. Uh, Not good. Not good. But Kanye's getting heat from from the big celebrities now. So. That makes me think that maybe it's not necessarily just kind of a temporary publicity thing. Although maybe I'm giving Kanye too much credit. I don't know. Some of his thoughts, though, were very positive. He's putting it out there. He says that there's a—I forget what the exact words were, and it's all on Twitter. We could see. There's like a stigma about loving people. I don't know if that's really true or not, but it sounds like something that—look, John Lennon used to write stuff that— you could hear your preschool teacher tell you it's like John Lennon's brilliant. Oh my gosh. You know, imagine all the people, you know, come on, dude. Yeah. The Beatles don't even get me started. I will ruin your childhood when it comes to the Beatles and I will win because you want to talk about some overrated stuff. The white album. There's two good songs, people, two good songs. All right. I got to talk to you about joy Reid and the uh, caravan at the border. That's all coming up. Stay with me. Welcome to our three of the Buck Sexton show, everybody. I've been telling you all along, I, I, I like to say that, I know, but it's really true in this case. Don't believe them when they say the caravan will no longer be at the border. Don't believe them when they say that it has uh, dissipated uh, and it's all been dealt with because, no, no. Uh, those folks that think that they're coming to the States, they're still going to try to come into the States. They didn't walk, literally, as I understand it, uh, they didn't walk from Central America to just all decide to stop and turn around. So here's what CBS is saying about this right now. About 130 Central Americans, mostly women and children, have arrived at the U.S. border with Mexico in a caravan full of asylum-seeking immigrants. This is just today. Two busloads. Wait a second. I thought they were all on foot. Now, the busloads. So it's buses. It's on. Oh, what a surprise. Right. It's not exactly the way it was reported. Uh, They've arrived at the border city of Tijuana at two migrant shelters, just steps from one of the most fortified stretches of border separating the U.S. from Mexico. They joined another 50 or so who arrived in Tijuana over the last week or two. Four more busloads, about 200 Central Americans were expected to arrive in Tijuana Wednesday. So we don't know if they've arrived yet or not. But they're on the way, and they're all going to claim asylum. So originally, I think the caravan was reported as 800 or 1,000 people. And remember, that's a drop in the bucket of all the illegal immigration that's actually happening all the time. It was really about the symbolism here, right? It was about what does this mean? And sure enough, when Trump decided to focus on this for a while, people uh, people decided that they would— uh, back off this a little bit the media wasn't covering it nearly as much i knew it wouldn't really change because they're going to have this this migrant caravan the whole point is once you get some of them into the country and it's reported on and they're they create this precedent then everyone else can see oh well well they got to go into the country anyway right once you get 600 in which is what it sounds like right now and, and they're still operating under this loophole where they're turning themselves in they're claiming asylum The whole thing is a scam. I would note that uh, I think there was a report last week, or maybe even earlier this week, that an MS-13 gang member who was not a minor tried to turn himself in at the border to gain access into the U.S. by surprise, claiming that he is, in fact, an unaccompanied minor. I've been saying this for the whole time this, this situation is going on, a lot of like A lot of 17-year-olds who are actually 24, 25 showing up at our southern border from Central American countries. There's a lot of that going on. And uh, as I just see this, I, I, I feel like I'm very angry at the Congress. Why hasn't the Republican majority addressed the issue of the loopholes that exist in the immigration system? Why aren't they taking action on immigration? It's not enough for Trump to use his executive authority. Look, he can't even roll back DACA. It's just crazy. What do you mean? How could he not roll back DACA, right? I mean, that was a program, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, that President Obama just decided to do. It was not constitutional for him to do it, but he just decided to do it, and now you have uh, have the courts. They just issued a ruling uh, on Tuesday. That the Trump administration didn't give adequate reasoning for ending DACA. This is insane. This is completely bonkers. If it was a presidential decision in the first place, then how can it not be a presidential decision in the second place? You know, so to speak. How can all of a sudden what was in the discretion for one commander in chief is not no longer for the other? He's constrained by Obama's decision. Trump can't just say, "Okay, Obama liked that program. I don't. So I'm going to stop doing it. The answer is right now that yes, that's what courts have said. A federal court issued a ruling on Tuesday saying that uh, the government has 90 days. To explain itself before it has to start accepting more DACA applications. And I would note that there are a whole bunch of people that can see that uh, the DACA process is going to be bent and abused and misused in every way possible to include as many people as possible under it. Forget about this. Oh, I was brought here by my parents through no fault of my own. Those people have already applied. Now what you're going to get are a lot of applications from individuals who are like, well, I don't have the papers, but yeah, sure, I was brought here when I was five. They might have been brought here five months ago. It's a scam we are being bamboozled and where's congress on this trump is doing what he can but the courts are saying you see the the courts are acting as a break on trump's exercise of his constitutional authorities right the courts are just deciding to be part of the hashtag now when i say the courts it's problematic you only need a couple of federal judges and they can Gum up the works pretty badly. You got some Ninth Circuit far left liberal anti-Trump activists wearing judges robes and they can affect national policy on this. They have to throw rule of law on the bonfire, so to speak. They have to be willing to just abandon any pretense of this being legal analysis that they're doing. But their preference is to use their power, use their authority to just shut down Trump, however, they can. So then that that makes me think, well, what do we do with the Congress right now? And people say, oh, Buck, but they'll filibuster. They'll filibuster. They'll stop it from. Okay. How about Congress at least tries? We could see congressional action part of convincing the American public that the Democrats are basically a quasi open borders party, that they do elevate the interests of Non-citizens and illegal aliens over American citizens time and time again, a part of showing the American people that. And one of the things that was kind of magical about the rise of Trumpism is that you got to tell them about it. Right. You can't just uh, sit back and say, well, maybe eventually some of those think tank papers that are making their way around D.C. will get read by. All the American voting public, and we'll all figure this out. It's just, it's just fantasy land. We'll see what ends up happening here. I would just like to see much more in the way of, uh, of a push, to address the issue of the southern border, tie the southern border and its porous nature to the opioid epidemic that's ravaging cities and towns across the country still. To talk about how there, you know, you have all these law enforcement people that say, oh. Uh, It'll mean that people are scared to come to the police if there's any enforcement of our immigration law in sanctuary cities. And I always want to respond whether they want to be doing so or not, officials who take that position are running cover for narco traffickers. Because illegal immigrant communities provide the cover, I'm not saying they're complicit, but they provide the cover for the narco traffickers to bring fentanyl and heroin into the United States, which last year killed 64,000 people. You know, where is this issue in the headlines? We do not have the luxury of time anymore. It is not clear that we are even going to maintain the majorities we have in the House and the Senate. I want to ask the Republicans, what are you waiting for? They're seeing Trump get stymied by the judiciary. They're seeing what we are up against here. And now you've got this caravan. As I told you, it's not going to stop. It'll be back. Producer Mike, true or false, I've been saying the caravan's not really going away. It's just going to fade out of the headlines and then all of a sudden, oh, the caravans at the border. What a surprise. Because it is about the optics of it and think of what the messaging is for the rest of those who are thinking about illegally crossing the United States. They won't enforce their laws. Their laws are foolish, even if they were willing to enforce them. It's a joke. America is a cow to be milked. Take advantage of it. That's that's the messaging. This is why the care. I know the numbers aren't important. Two hundred, four hundred, you know, you got hundreds and hundreds crossing different sectors of the southern border every day. Every day. I also don't believe the stories we were told about how oh, there's now net migration to this country is zero. That's a fan. That's that's crap. There is no way illegal immigration I'm talking about now uh, that it's zero, that everyone went everyone back to the booming economy uh, economy in Mexico and uh, Central America. No way is uh, complete nonsense. Uh, I want to talk to you about the uh, the Joy Reid situation here for a few minutes. In case you don't know, there's an MSNBC host who's come up with some really creative ways of uh, trying to avoid trouble for previous statements. I, I will address this with you and and what it means and what it tells us about the social justice left and the dishonesty therein in just a few. I'm not all that familiar with uh, Joy Reid's work over at MSNBC. If I'm going to watch something to punish my uh, intellect and to make me feel uh, dumber and and worse about the world around me, I'll just watch CNN. But, yeah, that's right. I, that's right. Yeah. Just keep it real, Mike. I know. Probably not going to get another CNN contract anytime soon. But, you know, what? hey, 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 potato, potato, CNN. You know what I mean? You want to arm wrestle Tapper? You want to see who the real man is? Uh, I kid, I kid. So, Joy reads over at MSNBC. I actually don't have that much of a problem with MSNBC because I feel like they're they're honest, right? Like, if you want to go to a, a rally and you want to hold up a hammer and sickle, Soviet flag, and be like, "I'm all about Marxism in America," I think it's a terrible idea, and it shows a tremendous historical ignorance of what that led to. But at least you're, you know, at least you're being honest about it, right? Whereas if you show up and you say, we just want redistribution and we just want to we just want fairness. And, you know, it's like, well, what do you really want? Uh, let's be honest about what you want. Right. MSNBC is the left wing cable news network. The most left wing. It's not the only one. They're all except for Fox left wing, but it's the most left wing. OK. Joy Reid is an African-American female host on the network. I think she has a show. Uh, ooh, I don't know, Saturday mornings or something. Yeah, Mike, hit me up. Let me know if the, I think I'm right. I'm usually right when I'm not sure I'm right. But Joy, Joy Reid, uh, yeah, you know, look, she's a social justice warrior. I get it. Um, and she takes, uh, she you know, she toes the party line now with a lot of the leftist stuff. Fine. And as a, I'm not overly familiar with her work. I'm not going to pretend that I know her stuff particularly well. So some other MSNBC hosts, I I am quite a bit more familiar with. She's kind of a second tier host there. I mean, she doesn't have like a big prime time show or something. But she's I'm right. Right. Yeah. AM Joy. It's, it's weekends. They yeah. Weekend. Weekend show. OK. Weekend show. But, you know, look, hey, and I'm not I'm not hating on having a weekend show, uh, you know, cable news show. You get it anywhere. Good for you. And it's tough and tough business. And I'm not unlike some of my former compatriots at CNN who like to just compare uh, TV resumes as a means of making themselves feel better. Uh, I I actually think that, you know, whatever. I'm going to put that I'm going to put all that aside for a moment. She wrote a blog 10 years ago right uh, around 10 years ago and on that blog she wrote some things about uh, gay people. She wrote things that you would qualify well, I think anyone actually what I was gonna say on the left, but just in general as homophobic and and you know she would make fun of Charlie Chris for being secretly gay and there's a, I mean there's a whole bunch if you want to see it, I won't go over it all now, but clearly and she's apologized for some of it, right? So she's admitted to some of the stuff that was on this blog from 10 years ago. That's clearly anti-LGBTQ. Now, I got a whole bunch of thoughts about all this. Uh, first of all, I don't believe that somebody should lose their job for beliefs that they've uh, from a long time ago that they've repudiated, right? I, I think that within reason, right? I mean, it's one, of, you know, if somebody's advocating for the uh, elimination of a class of people or something, I think, you know, It's tough to change that much from that one. But look, Barack Obama ran as a traditional marriage candidate in 2008, okay, which meant that he was opposed, Barack Obama was opposed to gay marriage on the record as a matter of law in 2008. So if we're going to go back now and pretend that anybody who held that position is to be kicked out of the public square. I don't know what you do with the, Obama, you, with the Obama situation, as well as Biden and Hillary and, you know, all the rest of them. So what you have to do is allow for the evolution of people's beliefs over time. And by the way, I've, I've evolved on certain things. You know, I'll be honest with you. Here's one. Probably get myself in a little, well, eh, not trouble, but I used to be much more pro-death penalty than I am today. I'm, I am squishy on the death penalty, and I'll just admit it. Um, you know, if you present me with certain kind of case, I'm like, yeah, I'd throw the switch myself, but that's more of an emotional reaction as a function of policy. I, I, I'm, I have a tough time with it. I'm not saying I think it's wrong. I'm not saying I think it's, you know, I'm hundred percent. I'm just saying I, I, I can, uh, waver on that one. Um, and I used to be like, flip the switch, man, put the vein in the, I mean, put the uh, needle in, in that guy's arm, like death penalty. So, you know, I've evolved on some things over time. Um. But I don't, I don't think that Joy Reid should be in all this trouble for what she wrote on blog 10 years ago. Here's what she's decided to do now, though. This is where this thing gets really crazy. She now is claiming and is doubling down on this. And MSNBC is backing her that the stuff that was on her blog that was really bad about uh, a gay and lesbian, transgender community um, was the result of a hacking. She now claims via a lawyer publicly that the FBI is investigating the hack of her blog, which I'm guessing very few people were reading, from 10 years ago as in an effort to smear her. So let's look at the evidence here as we know it for a second. She did have this blog. She did write some stuff that she admits and she apologized for. But then people found more stuff on the blog that was even worse. And now she's saying, well, actually, I got hacked and that stuff wasn't really me. And she's filed a report with the FBI over it. Now, this to me, and I think to anyone paying attention, looks like quite a bit of desperation to avoid losing all of her credibility with the social justice left and and possibly losing her job at MSNBC. The Daily Beast, where she writes a column, has uh, suspended her column temporarily while they look into these allegations. Uh, but but here's how I see this playing out. She is either doing this because she knows the investigation will take time and she's just trying to buy time, uh, or she is so desperate that she'll say absolutely anything to just give her any prayer of not getting fired from MSNBC. And then I guess there's the like one in a million chance that somehow this is true, but I would put it at one in a million. I'm not saying, so you're telling me there's a chance. I'm not saying it is a 0% chance, because look, I don't have access to her computer, but it feels like about one in a million, maybe one in like 10,000, but it's real small. It's the kind of percentages where if I told you you had that chance of not waking up tomorrow, you'd sleep soundly tonight. That's that's the likelihood, as I see it, of someone hacking into her old blog and putting stuff that seems like it's in her voice in terms of the writing and about the LGBTQ community. And I also just feel like, you know, conservatives are actually pretty open-minded about, about people apologizing for previous beliefs, saying they've evolved and changed. Everything. But it's really tough to be open-minded about somebody who lies and then doubles down on the lie. I mean, this is Anthony Weiner style, right? Remember when Weiner got caught? I know you say it out loud. It's I don't know what else. Weiner got caught, man. I mean, Anthony... Got himself into some trouble. He claimed that it was some outside hack board and it was all a lie. I think we're going to see that with uh, Joy Reid here too. But maybe she runs out the clock on this and is able to survive the scandal by pretending that there's a need for an FBI investigation. We will keep looking at this and we come back. Cobra Kai, the TV show, is coming out soon. Stay with me, I'll tell you more. Going
0: to keep with things on your head? You want all the girls to think you're a wangless dork?
2: You're going to be my karate teacher? No. I'm going to be your sensei. of karate that was taught to me a method of fighting your pansy ass generation desperately needs okay let's see what you got that was a natural cobra
1: sweep the leg (laughs) cobra kai is a tv show it's coming out so in case you didn't know and it's it's either going to be a wonderful trip down memory lane mostly buttressed by some self-effacing humor and nostalgia or it's going to be a steaming dumpster fire of the smelliest trash, right? One of the, it's not out yet, right? It's coming out soon. It's coming out soon. So, in case you don't know, that's what I'm, I'm here to tell you about things like this. This is what I spend my time thinking about. Uh, the Karate Kid now has a spinoff that is coming to—is it Hulu or Amazon Prime or one of them? YouTube Red. YouTube. What is that? Is that what the is that what the really cool people listen? I don't know. YouTube Red is a thing now. Which I suppose is the YouTube answer to Hulu and Amazon Prime, uh, but it's a spinoff of The Karate Kid, which you all remember, right? You know Daniel Sun and uh, all that stuff, right? Crane kick, sweep the leg. I kind of always rooted. I'm a, oh, it's already out. It ju- folks, our timing here is impeccable. It just came out yesterday. Who knows what Buck's doing this weekend? Oh yes, my friends. I am going to check this thing out and give you a full readout. But it does remind me, and those of you who are really within 10 or 15 years of my age, either way, certainly 10 or 15 years older than me. So if you're like, if you're 25 to 50 right now, I would say. What's up? Oh, coming out May. Okay, premiere. That's what I thought. So I'm, Brandon, I'm very cutting edge. I'm a very cutting edge fellow. Uh. So it's coming out in a few weeks, folks. So, uh, like I said, I'm trying to get you an early look here at the spinoff, which is Cobra Kai, which, remember, was the dojo for the bad guy in The Karate Kid. And this is, for me at least, this is one of these things where um, I I look back at this and I think about how, and by the way, if, if you watch the show, uh, uh, Billy Zabka, was who played the original bad guy from the Cobra Kai, um, Johnny Lawrence. This is 1984, man. This is going way back. Johnny, sweep the leg. Um, sweep the leg. There you go. Thank you. No mercy. <laughs> no mercy. Sweep the leg. Sweeping the leg is actually, I will say, way better idea to sweep the leg than to try the crane kick, right, in real life. And then that brings me to just how, What happened to the martial arts craze in this country? I think it's because now with the rise of MMA and actual combatives, uh, people see what works and what doesn't and what's useful for the purposes of self-defense and what's kind of fantasy land. But I, I remember being a little kid and all I wanted was a Shaolin monk to like take me from my parents for a summer. You know, I love my family, not forever, just for like a summer and teach me in the ways of like praying mantis and drunken drunken kung fu style that was a style, tiger style, all the different kung fu styles and I thought that I could become kind of like invincible in hand to hand combat. Turns out if you want to be good at hand to hand combat, you have to uh train, you have to train to hit and get hit, and you have to work out and uh you know be be physically prepared for combat uh, so it's a little different than just like doing a lot of meditation, planting some uh, some shrubbery which is what they do in the karate kid at least one of the karate kid movies bonsai trees and yeah it, it, and Daniel's son i go back and look at that i'm like he's not he's not actually beating up any of the bullies in real life i'm just telling you i, I know I'm, I'm spoiling spoiling uh, my own childhood here but there were so many of these movies the american ninja series it's a terrible movie i watched that movie a hundred times Bloodsport? By the way, I, I, my whole my brothers and I we're obsessed with blood sport, and I can tell you if you go and look at actual leaked footage of the Kumite, you're like this is like a boring kickboxing match with two guys that each weigh about 115 pounds. Like this is not it's not like it looks like in the movie where he's doing spin kicks against like huge, jacked warriors. Anyway, uh, so I'm gonna watch this uh, coming up soon. Uh, it's gonna get it's gonna get the full Buck readout. I have to watch. Are you gonna you're gonna watch it, Mike? Cobra Kai, the Karate Kid spinoff, obviously. Uh, You know, and this will give me an excuse also. I've always, I've never actually been, maybe I'm too old for Halloween now. I don't know. Adults can do Halloween for some people, other people say no. But I've always wanted to do the Cobra Kai dojo Halloween situation. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's a classic. No one dresses like Daniel's son, everyone dresses up like the Cobra Kai guys because this is way cooler. So this is what we'll see. I'll, I'll have to check that out, and maybe one. I, I want to do a whole podcast just on bad. Well, I should just do one on action movies, but then also one on a uh, on martial arts specifically, martial arts movies. I saw all of them, dude. I've seen the Van Dam movies that even Van Dam is not proud of. Which let me tell you something—that's saying something. Uh, all right, we've got your thoughts coming up here, team. We have uh, roll call in just a moment. Stay right there.
0: Ain't no party like a Team Buck party. Cause a Team Buck party don't stop. Yeah, we got Buck turned up to 11.
1: It's time for roll call. <laughs> that may be my favorite roll call yet. I like that one. Indeed, it is true. Ain't no party like a team buck party because of all of you. And that's why I want to get into some of your Facebook messages here. If you want to be a part of this uh, wonderful end of show extravaganza we now do each day, uh, you can just send me a message at Facebook, Facebook dot com slash Buck which is my name. Uh, So, with that, my friends, let's get into all the latest. And as I say that, uh, we are loading up because I do this in real time. All right, here we go. Erica writes the following for Roll Call. On Truth and Advertising of Meat, 1985, I was taking a train from Belgium to Paris when I ordered a hamburger. I got chopped ham shaped into a patty. Breaded and fried on a hamburger bun. Absolutely awful, but 100% accurate on the name. You know, I'm always somebody who says, we need to come up with something else. I know we, we think of the hamburger because it comes from Hamburg, Germany, right? It's like a, uh, a Frankfurter from Frankfurt or a Berliner. Ich bin ein Berliner, which means that you're a, a pastry, what JFK said, he, he claimed to be a, a pastry. Um, it's just Ich bin Berliner, if you are from Berlin. And uh, it's named for these different cities in Germany. But uh, we should come up with something when you just take ham and you put it all together. And, you know, you make a burger out of ham. But what do you do with it anyway? A, a, you make a ham patty. What do you call that? I call it amazing. I hope a lot of you saw, by the way, this morning I I had the the good fortune of being on Fox and Friends with Miss Molly. And I got to make some scrambled eggs. Now, some people have been giving me a little bit of a hard time because I didn't get to finish. Now, we already had finished before that scrambled egg. So we had servings there for the host to try. But I wanted to try to make them in real time. I had literally two minutes and ten seconds for that segment, folks. Now I'm just going to put this out there. It is very difficult using a. I know people are saying I'm just making excuses. I'm I'm not I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you how it is. All right. I'm I am keeping it real. And it, the little tabletop thing we had there. I, look, I loved it. It was fun. Miss Molly was there. She looked beautiful. And the the Fox and Friends hosts are, you know, the nicest people you could ever hope to meet. Uh, but the little stovetoppy thing just didn't really get that hot. So I was not really able to uh, get the heat going with it as I wanted to. I did, however, do the the egg cracking the way I wanted, seamlessly. No shells. That's right. No shells in there. And I would have done it one-handed, but I didn't want to show off too much. I'm just saying. Uh, next up here on Roll Call, Brad. Oh, by the way, if you if you didn't see the segment from this morning, we put it on Facebook. It's, it's all over the place under Buck is an amazing chef. I'm, if you Google that, that's hopefully what will come up. Uh, Brad writes, hey, man, I've been a podcast listener since you left the blaze and you're killing me today. The perfect accent of the nut job Clinton supporting Port Authority lady is too much. I'm working on cars by myself in this parking lot, listening to you on my headphones and dying laughing. Please stop. People are looking at me like I'm nuts. Shields high, homie. Well, home slice, a.k.a. Brad, thank you so much for uh, writing in and uh, I'm so glad you enjoyed the show. I had a lot of fun with the show yesterday. And I'm trying to do more and more of that now, too. I know by the time a lot of you get to listen to me, it's, you know, you've already, if, if you're trying to do a, 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 just a, a, a scan or run through of the day's news, there's so many different ways to do that. I want the Freedom Hunt to be more of an experience. Yes, sure, a lot of information and trying to bring knowledge into all this, but also just have some fun with it, too. Right, if you're going to give me your time, I think we should all have fun. I should have fun and you should have fun. So let's make that one of our, one of our missions here. Uh, Darby, he's up next. He writes, listening to Wednesday night's podcast, and you've got me laughing out loud. Little story to tell you, had a buddy on my first ship, he had a huge head. (laughs) I was a sonar tech, and we called him the head. Anyway, one day we pulled into Norfolk, and this guy wanted a fitted Detroit Tigers cap. You must remember, this was long before the days of flex fit hats. The attendant at the store asked if he could help us. And this guy asked about the hat without mentioning his hat size. And the attendant, without skipping a beat, said, we don't have a hat to fit you. Womp, womp. I've been there, man. I've been there. People try. And the the most, honestly, (laughs) I think I said this yesterday, the the most demeaning part of the whole I have a giant head experience is when I put the hat on. And I've had so many people like, oh, here's a hat from my company. You should wear it. I'm like, look, your company is great. Very stylish hat. It's not going to fit. And, and then I try to put it on, and it doesn't go over my head. But then people like to take it from both sides and try to, like, pull it down. Like, if they yank hard enough on my dome, they're going to collapse it so that the hat fits. So, you know, just 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 stay still, Buck. We're just going to pull the hat down. I'm like, no, please stop. <laughs> like, I don't want this. I don't need this. <sighs> oh, gosh. Yeah, that's what ends up, that's what ends up happening. Uh, And Darby also writes, uh, also appreciated the Sputnik reference from So I Merited an Axe Murder. Keep up the great work, brother. Well, brother Darby, you keep up the great work. Thank you for the kind note. And uh, here we go. Jeremy up next here writes, Buck, uh, just watched the entire video of Karen Turner after hearing about it on the podcast. Uh, Parlay that with Chance the Rapper firing off at the DNC. Makes Wednesday's podcast one of the most entertaining you've had to date. Shields high. Thank you, Jeremy. I had a lot of fun yesterday. Yesterday's show was was a good time. I was looking forward to it. As soon as I saw that Karen Turner video, I was like, you know what? I know it's not all that newsworthy. Other lessons we could take from, we're going to have some fun with that. That's what I decided, and I think we did. Also, Jeremy writes, heard the Wayne's World 2 reference. Uh, Let's see. Uh, and he says, Jeff Beck pops his head in the door and says, there's a sweet shop across the street. Oh, all right, cool. Yes, indeed. So Aussie wouldn't go on stage th- that last night. You remember this, right? Yeah, I made this, you know. They had this great big bloody Bengal tiger. I would beat them to death with their own shoes. He's the only good part of Wayne's World too. that character. He's the only, the rest of the movie is like, you know, it doesn't really, Brandy, is he, no, I don't really think... First of all, isn't he like the love interest for the... Yeah, no. Now, he's no Rob Lowe. He's no Rob Lowe. Uh, let's see what we get here. Jeff is... Hey, brother. I was thinking on this Kanye meltdown. I'm not sure it's a meltdown, Jeff. And I think the root of the insanity comes not so much from that he is friendly with President Trump or that he might have an opposing political view. It is simply that he does not file in lockstep with cultural Marxism. In the echo chamber of self-validation, they cannot deal with anyone who they cannot deal with anyone who subscribes to a different perspective, whatever the perspective may be. It is intellectual totalitarianism, and it has no place in a free society. Well, Jeff, we agree on that. It does have no place in a free society. It is intellectual totalitarianism, and it's uh, bad news for everybody. very bad news indeed. And we have so many messages, thank you so much. Uh, I really do appreciate it all. You know, honestly, doing a three hour day radio show in an era when people are just all trying to, like, oh, I'm just going to do a 20 minute podcast and I'm going to be a podcast superstar. Carrying a three hour live radio show is a heavy lift, man. This is the old school, this is the, the, the old school free weights and squat racks approach to audio entertainment. You know, I'm not sitting here with shake weights. I'm doing it the way that Arnold and Ferrigno and you, know, I'm, you get what I'm saying the old school way, three hours of radio, not just, oh, I'm going to just have a I'm going to do a bunch of quick cuts on a two minute YouTube video, please do that stuff in my sleep. I'll probably be doing that as well soon, by the way. But that's a whole other conversation. Uh, let's see what we get here. We get Jennifer who writes in Buck. She did have an exclamation point there. So I felt like to, you know, to be faithful to her interpretation, I needed to say it that way. Faithful podcast listener here. Your segment yesterday about Karen Turner and her altercation with the New Jersey officer was so amazing, I had to back it up and listen again. See, Brandon, that's what I go for here. People listen live, and then they want to listen again on the podcast because it's so dope in the Freedom Hut. Do people say that anywhere? By the, what, what's the, what is the word now for, like, when? what do the cool kids say about something that's cool? Do they just say cool now? Is he lit? Oh, it's right, lit. We're going to work that into the show now. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Brandon's like a little tied into pop culture. He understands these things and I'm, I'm trying to learn more, you know? And I I say these things in front of Miss Molly and she just gives me this look like grumpy old man, just wear, wear your sweatpants and your sweatshirts basically sweats and leave, leave the cool stuff to me. And I I agree. It's fine. But anyway, uh, Jennifer writes hats off to officer Matt, who is my new hero. Uh, But the voices you did in the play by play was fantastic. Thanks for the quality content, Shields High. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for the very kind words, and uh, much appreciated. So uh, tomorrow, it's tomorrow, Friday. Oh my gosh, this week is flying by. So tomorrow we'll have a Freestyle Friday, which means we'll just do whatever we feel like here in the hub. It'll be a great show, I assure you that. Please do download the podcast if you are a live listener, and if you are a podcast listener, share it with somebody. Be like, hey, check out this guy's podcast, the Bucks Action Show. He's he's lit. Actually, I think that makes it sound like I'm drunk. People say lit up is drunk, right? Whatever. He's cool. We can start with that. See you tomorrow, team. Shields high. I'm trying to get as many people as possible to listen. If you're somebody who enjoys a nice adult beverage at the end of a long day, or if you just want to celebrate on the weekend, kick back and relax, you got all these different options out there, all these different spirits and these different distilleries. Put all that aside for a moment. G4 tequila is absolutely delicious, and it will change your conception of what it is to drink tequila. I drink my G4 straight up out of a glass, but, you know, sometimes if I want something really special, I'll add it into a mixed drink as well because it really makes a difference. Just like in cooking, the ingredients are essential. With G4, any mixology you want to engage in is absolutely enhanced by using G4 tequila. So visit g4tequila.com life for more details. You can also give them a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash g4tequilas. That's g4tequila.life or facebook.com slash g4tequilas.